Welcome to the spirit world, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Well, hello there and welcome to the spirit world. I am Debbie Giorgiani and I am with the one, the only Adam Bly, religious demonologist and co-host of the spirit world. And this is a special pre-recorded broadcast. So no calls today, no calls today on the spirit world. Just sit back, listen and learn because we're talking all about Halloween today. But Adam, we always begin with the St. Michael prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a special episode just for our Spirit World listeners because we have received an abundance of email emails coming in, Adam, about Halloween, and um, they wanted to know if it's okay, if Catholics can celebrate Halloween, if they can go trick-or-treating with their kids, if they can go to Halloween parties. So we thought we would um, prepare this uh, broadcast for our listeners to really get um, informed and educated on the origins of Halloween and also the modern day version of this holiday. And if it's okay for Catholics and Christians, uh, we are Christian, but Catholic Christians and, and Christians in general to uh, celebrate this holiday because it's really become something that is very commercial, Adam, as we know, with all the candy sales and the costumes and everything that goes along with it. And people love decorating. I have a neighbor right next door to me that goes all out for Halloween and um, uh, yet um, no no disrespect but yet uh, during Christmas they have a tiny little Christmas tree that's it but for Halloween the whole entire front yard is covered mm -hmm. in decorations so let's talk about it let's go to the origins of Halloween first uh, again this is a pre-recorded episode of the spirit world so no calls today if you have any comments about this show please join us on Facebook at the spirit world podcast you can grow the family there or you you can email us tsw at grnonline.com. Adam, please give us the history of this holiday. So, Deb, it's actually a really interesting story. Um, you know, the common simplistic version that, that you'll often hear is, is just that Halloween is kind of an ancient uh, Celtic kind of festival that the Catholics took over and relabeled, and that's all it is. And it's far more complicated than that. Um, so this is really kind of a, a story of folk history. How our version of Halloween here in the United States, at least, is a complicated mixture, a combination of things that come together uh, to create this cultural kind of event that we have. There's no one definitive history to this to cite. It's, it's uh, many different threads coming in from different directions that we're going to explore here. And, and also Halloween is something that is celebrated by various people with various perspectives, various ways that they're thinking about it. Uh, to some people, as you said, your neighbor, you know, it's very important, uh, perhaps just in a campy way, but very important to them. 
And for other people, it's not a big deal. So we have to remember, you know, this is not like a, a fixed rigid thing that is super well defined in terms of its history or the way we do it. It's more of a tradition and different people engage in that tradition in different ways. So Halloween is both modern and ancient. Pumpkins, candy, corn, trick-or-treating, all of these things are recent American inventions that have been added to this. So to say that it's fundamentally an ancient anything really doesn't make sense. It's only really the date that continues to be still connected with the ancient festivals that fell around the same time of the year. Uh, for most people today, it's more associated with the images that we get from Hollywood than anything else. So let's go back and look at, at these threads that, that come together to weave what we see today. So yes, there is a, a Celtic history connection. Uh, the Celts were, were a people that lived north of the Roman Empire's boundaries in general, and that was across all of Europe and, and the Mediterranean, lived in many different places, um, you know, had different languages that were used depending on what parts of, of uh, what parts of Europe that they were in. Generally, we don't have a whole lot of writing left over because what we do have in terms of writing, which is etched in stones for the most part, really goes back to the fourth century. Whereas the information we have on the Celts is mainly from the Romans, and that was predating the fourth century by quite a bit. So you're talking about Julius Caesar uh, recording some histories of when they were trying to conquer Celtic people in different places. So there's not a whole lot of firm information about what was going on, particularly with the Druids, which was kind of the religious caste or group or priesthood within the Celtic faith. They, they didn't record that material. So we do know that harvest festivals in general, Deb, across human history, it's just natural. Harvest festivals, which is winter's coming, it's fall, you know, it's time to harvest the crops that we have grown to get us through the winter, to get us through the cold time when stuff isn't growing, and also a time to slaughter the animals and, and prepare the meat that's going to be set up for the winter. That's a critical time. And also just on a human level, it is, it's also just on a human level, it's associated with, you know, the threat of death. Winter's coming. If the harvest isn't good, we might starve. Um, remember, in the ancient world, it's not like today where there's a grocery store to go to, you know, if you run out of food. If the harvest didn't go well, there's a chance you're going to starve. Also disease, you know, other things, it's, it's going to be harder for the body to fight off in the cold of the winter. So the idea of the sunlight diminishing, um, in a sense, you know, the sun setting, which is, which is, uh, my understanding is, is the Samhain, you know, the name of, the, of their festival was about sunset in general, meaning it's getting darker in the fall. So, you know, harvest festivals are not specific to the Celts. It's, it's, what I'm saying here is that, you know, this isn't like a uniquely Celtic thing. Harvest festivals are universal in, in the ancient world because of all those reasons. And, and I think subconsciously they're associated with death and the afterlife because a lot of people would pass on during the difficult months during the winter. So we see that these festivals were going on in a number of places in, in the Celtic different um, branches kind of of the, of the Celtic culture that was across the whole northern Europe and um, over into northwestern Europe, you know, the Britons and the Irish, the Scottish. Now, the Catholic faith comes along really in the fifth century. So 
they've been doing this for a long time. The Romans have noticed it. And then Catholicism comes, of course, and Europe basically becomes Catholic, right? And, and you know, some of us have studied that history. There's a long, rich history of that. And a lot of the kind of religious connections with, you know, that were left over are echoes of those religious connections, because again, we don't know exactly uh, what was done. A lot of those kind of get dropped off at that point. I'm sure some of it was retained in verbal traditions or, or in families or even in written form, but Catholicism, Christianity comes in and the holiday is kept because it's still just culturally it's meaningful, right? We're used to celebrating that. Everybody's used to the harvest time. Just like today, you know, we celebrate Halloween because we're used to it. Most of us don't think about the poor souls or the saints that we'll get to, but we just do it because it's always been there, right? So it continues, even though now uh, Christianity has come in and removed the religious underpinnings of it, it's still a festival of the harvest. Okay, so by the 1300s, so a number of centuries later, so don't don't think that the Catholic Church came in and said, oh, you guys are doing this pagan ritual on this day and we're going to immediately stamp uh, a holy day on top of it to try to take over. Christianity comes in in the 5th century. It's not till the 1300s, hundreds of years later, that the church in November, there weren't many holy days, and they wanted to give some of the holy days into November. And of course, culturally across all different cultures, these, these were important days. And they're associated again with the idea of, you know, mortality because you're going into winter. So in the 1300s, we see All Hallows' Eve coming in on October 31st in the church. And that's the evening before All Saints' Day. So All Hallows, Hallows are holy, right? So All Hallows, that means all the saints, is on November 1st. So All all Saints' Eve, All Hallows' Eve, is on October 31st, the evening before, of course. And then All Souls' Day comes the next day on November 2nd. And that is, of course, when we're going to pray for the souls in purgatory. Go ahead, Deb. Okay, so let's hold it right there because you're going to hear the music in a little bit, and we're going to we're going to hit the pause button when we come back for this special, uh, pre-recorded episode of the Spirit World on Halloween. Uh, we'll get into more of now the modern day version of Halloween and how we um, can, if if it's okay for us as Catholics to participate in some of the holiday celebrations. But Adam, so basically, what you in your research, you're you're trying to to communicate with us and share with us that it wasn't like, you know, the Catholics came in and, and Christianized the, 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 um, the harvest festival, you know, they didn't, it, but obviously that particular, um, harvest recognition took a bit of a twist and turn into more, um, you know, gruesome and grisly and ghoulish type symbols. So let's get into that on the other side of this break. Um, on the spirit world, because obviously that's where we have the problem today, where it relates to us today, folks. So we're talking about Halloween, the origins of it, and also the modern day version of this holiday, because we're just a few days away from October 31st. So please stay tuned in. No calls today on the spirit world. This is a pre-recorded episode. Uh, so we expect you to just really listen and then share this episode with others here on the spirit world. We'll be right back. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. 
Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helped them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. We're talking about Halloween today on this special pre-recorded broadcast of The Spirit World. So again, no calls today. We Normally we're a live call-in show, but this is a special episode uh, prepared for you so that you can listen to it, learn, and then share it with your friends far and wide. If you have any questions or comments, just uh, reach out to us on Facebook at The Spirit World Podcast or by email at tsw at grnonline.com. Adam, I always, um, it always bothers me to interrupt you when you're in the middle of uh, teaching us something very important about uh, the history of, you know, things that we need to know and how they have kind of changed and morphed into other things as, as you know, into this modern day, this current day of, of what we, what we li- are living through. Um, but pick up where you left off, maybe just rewind just a little bit and, you know, get into the idea of how this kind of twisted into something, you know, very different than what this, I mean, cause when you were describing the harvest festival, I'm thinking, Hmm, there's no harm to that. I mean, it's, it seems very natural, you know, they're, they're trying to stay, you know, uh, they're appreciative of the, the change of seasons, you know, they're looking forward to, you know, good things happening with the harvest and everything. And, you know, and they're understanding how uh, everything in nature cycles. And so that, to me, that sounds very normal, very, you know, a practical way to live, you know, uh, and working with, uh, it, it, with nature, right? But then now Halloween today is very different than that. So, yeah, Deb. 
And that harvest festival that, that we talked about, there were aspects of it that, that really fell away in the fifth century when, when Christianity kind of took over Europe that were problematic. So, uh, and those parts were, were certainly dropped, but it did involve divination. It did involve some sacrifice. So there were kind of religious aspects to it that I guess we would say from a Christian perspective, kind of dark uh, and forbidden. So fifth century, those those kind of fall away, but it continues to be a harvest festival. About 800 years later, so again, it's not that the church was was putting a holiday right on top of this right away. Many centuries later, we see Hallowtide introduced. We have All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day, All Souls Day. That's October 31st, November 1st and 2nd. Okay, now let's skip forward to basically the foundation of America was happening, right? And we have to remember that America was very Protestant. In the, in the early United States, uh, there was a very strong anti-Catholic sentiment, and there was a very strong presence of the Protestant, various Protestant um, denominations in our country and in the founding of our country. And so as this country was founded, that hallowtide that had been known in Europe so well and had become a normal part of life, during which, by the way, children would go around and ask for food or treats because, not because it was Halloween, but because it was a holy day. And every holy day during the year, Christmas, Easter, Hallowtide, uh, Michaelmas back in the day, you were expected to be more generous because it's a holy day. So it wasn't unique to Halloween that kids would ask for, for treats or, or candy. It was just a time to be generous. And so the poor would actually often come around and ask for things. Okay, so here we are, we're coming to the founding of America, and because the Catholic Church is suppressed here, the Catholic layers of this, that hollow tide that we talked about is stripped away. So we still have kind of the tradition of, you know, kids going around on, on this day, but now instead of stripping away um, the idea from the Celtic festival, the harvest festival, now we're stripping away Catholicism and we're gonna make it into a more of a Protestant mold. Okay. So early in the Americas also, there was very few Irish immigrants. And this is important because some of the strongest kind of echoes and remnants of the, of the Celtic traditions in terms of the religious traditions were in Ireland. And in the early US, we see the Catholic Church isn't really there and we see that the Irish really aren't there. And so what we get is a very American version of this harvest festival at that point. And this is where we get starting to get an association with pumpkins and corn, which, by the way, are native to America. They weren't there in Europe. So the idea of pumpkins being part of this in, in its more European and ancient context, it, it wasn't. Um, the harvest is still kind of important, but it becomes very Americanized. And let's do a quick footnote on this because this is so fun, Deb. It turns out, you know, the word jack-o'-lantern, that actually comes from an old myth of this figure called Stingy Jack. Mm -hmm. And it was a guy who had tricked the devil a couple times into letting him off the hook. And then uh, essentially the devil, when Jack finally did die, he couldn't go to heaven because he'd been such a trickster and not a very nice person. But he, he was uh, sent to hell, but then the devil didn't want him because he had been so troublesome to the devil. So the devil said, you can't come here either. And so this Stingy Jack in this myth it's just a cultural myth. There is no right. such thing as a, a lost soul like this. Um, he wandered the world, not being able to go to heaven or hell. And the devil had given him a coal of fire when he kicked him out and didn't let him in that he put into a 
turnip lantern. And that was common in the day that you would hollow out a turnip, cut some holes in it and put uh, something burning in it. And that would be a lantern. So this idea of the jack-o'-lantern was the pumpkin version of the same thing, where the idea was you would make these pumpkins that were carved out with a candle in them in order to keep the ghost of Stingy Jack away mm -hmm. from your house. And just mm -hmm. kind of a fun, a fun myth there. Okay, so by the 1800s, here we are, we're, we're, we're in America, where the country's getting established. By the 1800s, the, the Scotch and the Irish start arriving in greater numbers. And here we see bringing back a little bit more of echoes of that ancient tradition, where the, the idea of it being more of a party atmosphere and the idea of the trick-or-treating, um, the idea that there could be some mischief involved starts coming being injected into the American version of this, and the idea that it's a time to, to basically have a, a festive time. Okay, so that layer is kind of being folded back into it. But then also in the 1800s, Catholicism starts coming into the country more. Certainly there were Catholics here from the beginning, um, but as we said, you know, it was suppressed. Um, it was an anti-Catholic nation in the beginning. So Catholicism starts becoming more accepted and, and getting a little more influence. And so here we see that the All Saints, the All Souls, and the All Hallows Eve, the Hallowtide we talked about, that had basically uh, not been there at the beginning of the country, starts coming back. And so this idea of, uh, you know, praying for the poor souls in purgatory, the idea of celebrating the saints and all of that starts coming back um, into the country. So now we, we see an echo of the ancient Celtic. We see uh, the idea of the holy days coming back into play. And then the other thing that happens in the late 1800s, this next layer to this, is the horror literature genre really becomes popular. And this is true in Europe, but it's also true here. And this is where we get the idea of Gothic horror. If you think of Frankenstein, if you think of Dracula, everybody has heard those words. Frankenstein was 1818 and Dracula was 1897. So across that across that century is when we start seeing an interest in kind of more horror and the gothic horror then as you know we come here we are we're getting close to modern times and hollywood gets more and more interested in the horror stuff you know the the scary masks the gore the blood um very dark horror starts becoming a normal part of american life in terms of our media now here we are we no longer have harvest festivals we have grocery stores so that is really been lost but the trick-or-treating has stuck and the idea that it's a party has stuck and this really in the 1900s is the form that it's now taking gothic horror is interesting things have become darker when it comes to the costumes that the kids are wearing because horror is now something that's in people's minds and then by the 1950s commercialism is really active, right? We've gotten through the Second World War. It's a time of abundance. There's lots of extra production in the United States. And so costumes for the first time become really easy to buy. And spooky Hollywood images are the theme of most of these costumes. And so now we see the kids not just going around singing and asking for treats, but now they're dressed as something that they've seen in the movies, which really emerged from the Gothic horror of the 1800s. So this brings us kind of up to what we see today. Just to mention, because it's it's really cool American history, there's there's kind of three other threads that feed into this. Mumming and people from the Philly area know about the Mummers Parade. It's been around since uh, 1901. I grew up near Philly. I remember seeing the Mummers Parade. I didn't have any idea what it meant. 
but it's performance art, costumes, makeup, and people doing skits in the streets. This came out of Europe and European folklore. It was mainly British, but it's stuck here. It's also still celebrated in Canada, Newfoundland, uh, different parts of the United States. Guising is kind of similar. It's was in Scotland and Ireland, and it was the kids basically going around and asking for things. And then souling, which was more focused on the Catholic layer, which was the purgatorial souls, which when the poor went door to door, offering prayers for the departed and having soul cakes, it's this particular type of cake that would be exchanged for those souls. Um, so this idea was also kind of blended into things. And all of this feeds into the modern trick-or-treating where sometimes, you know, the kids will put on a, a moment of a display like a lack like and make noises like a monster for you and, and try to try to scare you or put on a little show. Um, all of this feeds into today. But why would we have a concern as Catholics with Halloween today? Well, the themes of it, unfortunately, have become darker and darker. We saw how Hollywood and the way our media informs the way we represent spookiness or scary things, right? It goes from, from Dracula and Frankenstein, which in their own way are, are scary, but they're nowhere near as kind of intense and horrific and shocking as the horror movies of today that we have. You know, we see themes of uh, the demonic in explicit ways. We see slasher films. We see really gory, horrible stuff. We see these things about serial killers. Um, so this stuff is starting to be reflected in the costumes and the themes of Halloween. And ghost hunting, spiritualism, necromancy has become normalized in our culture. So to a certain extent, Halloween goes to the idea of ghosts and, you know, the afterlife and spirits. That's kind of the theme of it, partly because what we've absorbed from the movies um, and some of the layers that we've talked about where you would pray for the poor souls. So there's this idea about the poor souls, about ghosts being part of it. But now ghost hunting has kind of normalized communication with ghosts versus praying for them. So it kind of is activating and, and helping that thread, which is not helpful. And then the ugly is celebrated in Halloween to some extent. Uh, in terms of being mosque, which is not psychologically super healthy, but that's again coming out of the media and the movies. And then um, the two final things are kind of the most intense, and that is unfortunately Halloween is a major satanic holiday, and it's a major holiday with, within most, most versions of witchcraft. And so a lot of people are wanting to do rituals on these days. Um, and then finally, Satan and the demonic, as ugly as they are, are being recast as sympathetic figures in mm -hmm. our current culture. And so some people are dressing up as these figures not to be scary and horrible, but because right. they think they're cool. Let's talk more on the other side of this break, um, Adam, about, you know, why the satanic rituals are performed during um, Halloween or during that week of Halloween, what, what the um, the reason behind that, uh, so that so that our listeners can get a better understanding of why this holiday is not, you know, what you're explaining to us. It just it all sounds relatively benign, actually. But then when you start to uh, unpack it and and go deeper, you you can see where. Uh, the demonic activity can creep in, in in various areas and then take hold as, it, like you said, something that is just normalized as like no big deal. And now you've invited all these 
all these um, unwanted demonic spirits to be around, you know, your home or your place of where you, where you live. So let's talk more about that on the other side of the break. This is a pre-recorded uh, broadcast for Halloween. Uh, we wanted to have this episode get out there a couple days before Halloween so you can make uh, the necessary arrangements and, and preparation as, as maybe like, you know, maybe you and your family want to go out to dinner instead of trick-or-treating or doing something like that, you know, after you hear this broadcast. Or maybe you can enlighten or educate a friend on, you know, some somebody that's really into Halloween just because they like those those gruesome, ghoulish costumes and, and they get into the whole spirit of it. Well, there could be an underlying, you know, issue there that we need to, you need to um, maybe inform your friends about. And so this episode could help. It is pre recorded, so no calls today. You can always leave your comments or questions at, um, you can email us tsw at grnonline.com or Please, we're trying to grow the Facebook family at the Spirit World Podcast. Okay, there you hear the great theme music. I love that music, Adam. It is it is uh, definitely uh, keeps people uh, attached to the Spirit World here. Um, and we just love our Spirit World uh, followers and listeners to the program. Thank you so very much for embracing the program. Um, we appreciate your comments so very, very much. So stay with us as we continue this discussion on Halloween. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757- 9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. We're talking about Halloween today on this pre recorded episode of The Spirit World. I'm Debbie Giorgiani with co host Adam Bly, and we hope that you are listening and learning from this episode. Um, Adam, you know, on the break, I, I, I got to thinking about this. Halloween has always disturbed me, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. I actually 
you know, used to, when, when my kids were little, they always wanted to go trick-or-treating. And, you know, we were always trying to figure out ways how to, you know, have them have, you know, either saint costumes or go out there with something that's like a, you know, dressed up as an M&M or something or something like that, not as these, you know, ghoulish, you know, figures from the horror stories. Um, but my kids, let's face it, my kids were just into eating a ton of candy. You know, that's all they really cared about. It was a fun time to go out there with and, and see everybody else on the streets late at night, you know, going from house to house. But we don't live in that kind of world anymore. And so now it, it's very commercial. And like you said, all these horror, um, you know, uh, programs on TV or movies, they've all capitalized on it. It's a big money-making, you know, I think a big money-making scheme at, at, you know, at our expense. But you made a comment. You said satanic rituals are done around Halloween. Why? So, yeah, Deb, it's interesting. There, there's a few layers, at least, to the question of why they would, Satanism and witchcraft are, are doing a lot of rituals, why it's a big day for them. Um, first off, Satanism, and to some extent, depending on the, the flavor of witchcraft, is interested in doing rituals on uh, or around Catholic holy days. So, you know, they're really big on doing rituals during Holy Week, around Christmas, um, uh, other big holidays during the year around Easter, because they believe that they can somehow thwart God or hurt God or hurt the church by doing that. And, you know, there's, there's, it's sad. Satanism is attracted to basically to people that are wounded and and they often have a very distorted version of God. They think God is, is the bad guy and Satan is the good guy. And so in a twisted way, they think they're doing good in, in some cases, depending on which version of Satanism you're talking about. So that's number one, is we have to remember that it's, it is hallowtide. It's, it's a time of celebrating the saints and the saints are the people that made it to heaven. And the demons, of course, they're their main goal in their existence right now, at least, is to keep as many of us out of heaven as possible. Because Okay, it, so this is a direct attack against our saints then? Yeah. It's, and it, it's, they can't do anything to the saints. Um, the demons can't, the Satanists can't, you know, they're in heaven. God's God. Um, but the demons hate the idea that humans can make it back to heaven. The demons can't, nor do they want to. They're not trying to repent. They'll never repent. Um, and they're trying to, to lure as many of us away from God as they can. And so mm -hmm. on this holy day that celebrates the saints and celebrates the souls in purgatory that have made, they've made the grade, they're going to get to heaven, they're on the escalator to heaven, they're going to get there eventually. Right. Um, it's fixed, it's done. Those days are bitter for the demons because it's a reminder of the fact that we are given the opportunity through choosing God to attain the spaces that they vacated. So they lost their place in heaven. We mirror humans through our choosing of God can attain heaven and attain a space in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so this is a big day for them in that sense. And of course they can't do anything against the saints. You know, the devil's just trying to thumb his nose at God as, as often as he can. And in, in, But it stirs up demonic activity during this time, correct? Yes, it does. But you know, we, we don't need to be completely afraid of that in terms of afraid of trick-or-treating if, if you choose to do it but yes it is certainly going on the second reason they're they're interested in these holidays is because the occult witchcraft satanism they love the air of things being ancient it makes 
it makes it all feel a little more special and a little more real. And so the idea that it's an ancient Celtic festival that's associated with the dead mm -hmm. is really attractive to somebody who's really interested in dark things and gothic things and satanic right. stuff. It kind of legitimizes their their take right. on things. Right. Yeah. Even okay. though the, the truth is there's really no written, there is no written material about what the Druids did exactly or what their mindset was or what they were trying to attain. Mm -hmm. um, the earliest, as we mentioned, the earliest writing from the Celtic stuff was... Um, stones that that were inscribed in in the fourth century so the the actual we don't know what the druids did we know they wore white we know they were involved in human sacrifice and we know they did divination that's what julius caesar recorded um, as he encountered those cultures so we we have those hard facts but we we don't have much more than that but they love the legitimacy of something claiming to be an ancient pre-christian festival that's right. very attractive witchcraft is the same way witchcraft wants to tell you that it's an ancient pre-christian religion that's more valid than christianity when it was actually cooked up by gerald gardner in england in mm -hmm. the 1960s mm -hmm. and 70s um, and we've done a show on the whole history of witchcraft and and that's not contested. It's in any legitimate book on the history of Wiccan witchcraft will we'll tell you that. It right. was a blend of Freemasonry, Aleister Crowley's black magic, and Gerald Gardner's home, homebrewed mm -hmm. stuff. Okay, so here's the big question, okay? And, and Joe sent this in recently um, by email. And so thank you, Joe, if you're listening. Um, but Joe represents probably we've gotten at least three, four dozen emails similar to this. Okay. And here's, this was Joe's question. Joe wants to know simply, should we continue to participate with his seven children and his wife in the Halloween celebrations of trick-or-treating and all the things that go on with Halloween? Should they continue? He's got seven children and a wife um, what do you say to people raising kids right now? I mean, we've got, you know, you've got to live in this world. And it's, you know, it's so interesting to me, Adam, and I'm just going to say it. I mean, you know, I remember one year I encouraged my my boys to dress up as a favorite saint. And my the comment from my oldest son was, Mom, you're kidding me, right? You, you are kidding me. Nobody's dressing up as saints. I mean, we don't want to be the only ones, you know, uh, sticking out like sore thumbs, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so they wanted to fit in with their peers, you know. Uh, they were all into those really, really ghastly-looking costumes. Uh, there was a couple years back where everybody, you know, like beheaded costumes and things like that. It was just creepy, creepy costumes that when you saw them at the door, you know, you almost you almost gasped like, oh my goodness, this you must have felt horrible even dressing up like this. But that's what everybody was into back then when I was when when my kids were little. And my and but yet my kids were good about saying, No, we'll dress up like an M and M or something like that, you know, something pretty pretty um harmless. But you know, what do you say to people that they do want to participate with their neighbors, their friends? People are—they do have um, driveway parties all the time, or then, and you know, especially post uh, the pandemic, uh, COVID, people want to start to get together with their neighbors again. What would you say, as 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 Catholics, can we participate, knowing full well that there are satanic rituals happening? Well. In a sense, Deb, we shouldn't give too much emphasis to those rituals going on because they're also going on around Easter and that doesn't stop us from going to Mass at Easter, right? We don't even think about it. So I'm just pointing out that it is a big day in terms of they think uh, the dark side thinks that this is a day to celebrate them. 
partly because, as you said, there's gory stuff. It represents death. It represents murder. It represents, you know, um, all, all kinds of negative things are being celebrated. And increasingly, the demonic is being celebrated explicitly. You know, there's there's costumes with pentagrams on them, with, with demon masks, that kind of thing is now, you know, part of part of the kind of tapestry of it all. So, you know, what would I say? I mean, I guess it would depend on where you're trick-or-treating. If you know your neighbors and you live in a, a decent neighborhood and your kids want to do this and it's part of American culture and it is part of American culture, it's probably fine. But would I, you know, let a, a if I had a Catholic kid, would I let them dress up with pentagrams on them? Certainly not. Certainly not in anything explicitly demonic. If you just want to, as we've talked today, there's layers to this holiday that have nothing to do with spirituality or darkness. Darkness tries to usurp it and claim it as their own, but it isn't necessarily that at all. In fact, there's layers of it that are very Catholic and Christian, to pray for the poor souls, to give to the needy. So we shouldn't let evil necessarily steal this entire holiday because the church has made it. These are holy days. So we're also celebrating holy days. And in our kind of cultural tradition of celebrating those holy days, children went door to door and asked for food. So we shouldn't necessarily cast it all out and say, well, it's tainted now, so we have to completely abandon it. I would say just a common sense approach of let's not be explicitly demonic. Let's, you know, let's make sure we're going to in a decent neighborhood where, you know, we're not going to necessarily bump into trouble. Um, the world can be a little bit crazy today. And, you know, like when we were kids, Deb, we went out all night, probably. I know I did with no supervision or help. And that was just the way it was in those days. Mm -hmm. But now I don't think parents would necessarily do that. Oh, I would never let my kids out, um, you know, unsupervised. You know, I, in our neighborhood, you, you can see the parents are right there, you know, in the car or they're watching them from a distance and, you know, keeping an eye on their kids, which I think is, you know, and we don't know our neighbors anymore, Adam. You know, I mean, it's not like when we were kids, you know, you knew your neighbors, you knew what kind of treats you were going to get if you knocked on their door. Um, it's, you know, now I have a friend who hands out holy cards, um, during Halloween when the kids come to, for trick or treating instead of candy. And, um, it, uh, it turned out that, you know, there were holy cards spread out all over the streets cause the kids got frustrated and threw the holy cards into the streets. So I don't know necessarily if that's such a good thing. I mean, that's showing a disrespect, you know? And so, I mean, I guess we as Christians are trying to communicate that, that we're really wanting to focus on the, the saints and the poor souls in purgatory. And we want to keep that focus. And of course we, we want to celebrate with candy and celebrate with our friends and family and neighbors. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to get into all this other stuff. And so how do you separate it? I think that's the big question. And, you know, I thought a lot about this before the show. And just my two cents on it would be is you get educated. And as, as the kids are old enough to understand all this, you educate them on all this. You could even, you know, let them listen to this podcast and get a quick summary of it all. Um, all of this can be done, you know, pretty easily on the internet in terms of researching it. But, you know, we've, I think, presented a reasonable summary of it all here. I think educating the kids so that they know that they're, in, you know, they're going out, it's a cultural thing, but it's complex and it has many layers. And just know what you're doing, know what you're kind of getting into so that your mindset, that you're not kind of celebrating the darker side of mm -hmm. Halloween, but remembering, you know, it is cultural, it is fun. 
and there are very holy layers to it too. So keep it balanced, keep it in perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like this. I, I'm enjoying this conversation and, and I'm understanding it in a, in a way that I think I, I think our spirit world listeners can appreciate. So folks, uh, the final segment is coming up and we'll kind of bring it all together and grab more of your um, emails coming in about Halloween, the origins of it and the modern day version of Halloween when we come back here on the spirit world. Please stay with us for the final segment. The St. John Leadership Network presents Glance at the Gospel with Father Nathan Cromley. In the Gospel for this Sunday, we read the famous phrase from Jesus, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. This comes as a response to the Herodians and Pharisees who asked Jesus whether or not it is lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar. But its meaning goes quite deeper than that. At first glance, it appears that Jesus is distinguishing the two kingdoms, that which belongs to God and that which belongs to the civil realm. And so indeed he is. But he distinguishes these two realms, not in order to separate them, but in order to show that the two of them need to work together. And this is a key point for all of us. Many Christians today separate the two, saying that my heart and my emotions belong to God, but my real thinking and my practical actions are influenced only by the secular world. But remember that when you have that attitude, you're depriving the secular world, your job, your social interactions with your friends, your culture, from the light and the power of your faith. How much different would it be for Christians instead to say, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God there where I live into the very fabric of my relationships and my secular living. When we do that, we become true missionaries and we open the life of the mundane to the beautiful vistas of eternal life. And at the same time, if we overly separate these two kingdoms, we'll leave our faith inactive and treat the powerful truths of our faith as if they had no real consequence for the world. And herein lies the genius of God. He invites his followers to be truly active, to bless the secular world with the benefits of religion and to keep their faith alive by putting it into practice. For more information, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877 757 9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. Just email us today because this is a special pre recorded episode of the Spirit World. And speaking of that, we want to thank our senior producer, Tim Mott, and our producer, Taylor Van Est, for putting this wonderful Halloween episode together for all of our Spirit World listeners. Thank you so much to our show team. You guys do a great job, and so we really appreciate it. And Adam, um, I just wanted to share a few thoughts about uh, Halloween in general. You know, I, I'm not, I, I don't, 
when I go on air um, for Take Two with Jerry and Debbie or the Spirit World or when even I'm being interviewed on other people's, um, you know, podcasts or shows, I, I like to just speak from the heart and, and I'm, and you know, me, Adam, it's, I'm all, I'm very transparent, full disclosure. I, I really have nothing to hide at my age. I'm, you know, uh, fast approaching 58 years old. And, and so, you know, there's not much, you know, time is ticking pretty quickly now. And I just wanted to say that, you know, I love the fall decorations. I, I love some of the colors of the fall decorations. I think they are beautiful, you know, especially when they're added to the outside of the home and stuff like that. I'm not into all the creepy stuff, you know, um, that, that people put out there, you know, I, like I said, I love my neighbors, but right next door I have this gigantic, uh, monster that's a blown up monster that when you go past it, it, it screams at you. And then they have a, a half dead body in the yard and, you know, and they, they try to have this creepy feeling as you're walking up to the, to their house. Um, you know, I've said a few prayers as I've walked past, you know, but I, they have kids, they have uh, boys, they have four boys. And so they're trying to make their home uh, a quote unquote cool home, you know, for everybody to come and, you know, um, trick or treat and come by their house and be a little bit scared as they're walking past their house. Okay. Um, but the bottom line is quite honestly, Adam, the older I get and tell me if it's just me, maybe I'm just getting old very quickly. I don't know. I, it's all, to me, it's all commercial and all about candy. And, and it's, it's like, okay, so just buy a, a couple bags of candy and, you know, watch a good movie at home and, you know, forget getting involved with all this stuff. I mean, to me, it's one day, you know, and this one day can be, in my opinion, somewhat problematic if it's not handled properly with the proper education going into it. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, like you made the comment early on when you were teaching uh, us all about the origins of Halloween, you were saying how, you know, it's become, you know, normalized and people are just accepting it. Like it's okay to, to, to have these, you know, really creepy images embedded in our minds. It, maybe it's not okay. Maybe that's why we have a, a rise in so much mental illness because we have all these crazy images in our head. What, what do you say to that? I, I, I have a problem with Halloween now because I think it's just gone over the top. Yeah. Um, it has gotten more intense. And, you know, we mentioned earlier how it kind of is indirectly celebrating the occult. And if you go to the Halloween shops, the stores that sell the costumes, there's a, there's a surprising amount of witchcraft in the occult, not just in the costumes, but in the products they're selling. They're, That's they're, right. There's Ouija boards, stacks of Ouija boards for sale or jewelry that has Ouija boards on it, um, crystal balls, you know, and yeah, that could just be a campy thing that somebody, you know, does to be campy and Halloween-y, but the Ouija board isn't. You know, if you're buying an actual Ouija board, you're probably buying it to, to play with it in a way of seeking divination or at least to, to find out if it's real and all of that. Um, yeah, and it gets pretty dark depending on the store that you're going in. So that lets you know that the people that involved in this industry. They're taking you know, it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so let me let me stop you right there because this just came in from Lori. So let me, let's address this. Lori said she saw Ouija boards at a local store displayed with Halloween items, just like what you're talking about, Adam. Mm -hmm. 
And now here's, this is what's interesting. This is what Lori said. She says there were three or three or four of these games and she was able to, uh, uh, she had enough money to buy them and she wanted to dispose, uh, dispose of them. So she bought those, got them off the shelves, and now she wants to get rid of them. And she wanted to know what's the best way to dispose of them. Just should she burn them? Should she just throw them in the trash? Should she break them up? Should you do whatever? But do you know what? What you just said, I think, was was key to this whole discussion that we're having and uh, on, on this episode of uh, talking about Halloween. You know, we go in there thinking, oh, we'll buy a cute costume for our kid or ourselves, or we'll go to that Halloween party, have a lot of fun, dress up in this costume. Okay, but there's all these other things that are involved that are leading us into the occult. So if we don't have that full understanding and that awareness, we're getting duped right into it. Well, what yeah. would you say to Lori? Well, in terms of disp- first off, I would say, unfortunately, it, it usually is not going to do any good to buy them and get them off the shelf because they're going to bring three more out of the back room and, and restock the shelf. So um, not not picking on her, but, you know, unfortunately, that that won't solve it. Um, once you have them, though, you could just throw them away. I would say at least break them up, because if somebody stumbles across that in the trash, um, whether the trash bag gets torn open or at the dump when stuff gets spread around, um, you don't want to have it still be usable because you don't want somebody to pick it up and think, oh, free free Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least break it up. You don't have to burn it. There's a lot of myths about Ouija boards that like, oh, you can't burn them and they'll reappear, or all this nonsense. Um, weird stuff can happen around them, but that's when you're involved in them. Like mm-hmm. you're involved in the occult with them. Um, and then manifestations can happen. But if you're just somebody who just is getting rid of it, you don't have Mm -hmm. to fear that. You could burn it. Sure, that's a little more effort, Mm -hmm. but sure, that's fine. And and she wanted to know if they could be cursed. Could they be cursed? They could be cursed depending on who manufactured it Mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, the people that were involved in that. I think Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that they would be because they are explicitly used and marketed for necromancy. Right. Well, and I just want to say to Lori, thank you so much for sharing this email with us. And and she said at the bottom of the email, I appreciate your help and love your show. Well, we love you, Lori. Thank you so very much. I think her intention was very good to get them off the shelves. I, you know, but if it were me, I would, I would go to the shop owner or whoever put up the, um, you know, Halloween tent, because I know there's tents all over the United States where they pop up and they sell all these Halloween items. I would tell them you're never coming back again. Again, never, ever, ever when you have that kind of uh, demonic stuff on your shelves and, you know, put that kind of emphasis on the shop owner, you know, that they should be careful of what they display, um, especially when there's children, you know, um, coming into the coming into the stores. Okay, so Adam, what a great uh, pre-recorded episode for our Spirit World listeners. Um, we hope you guys got a lot out of it. Um, and you know, we just want to have eyes wide open as we go into this into this next uh, the next stages of this world and what's happening. And I think it's it's really important that we stay very 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 close to God during this time, folks. So please, if you've got something out of this episode. So please share it on social media. That's a good use of social media. So um, with that, we want to thank the show team again, Tim and Taylor. Thank you so very much. And so for Adam Bly, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon.